Today's episode is brought to you by Dr. Dish, trusted and innovation solution basketball training machines. Check out their revolutionary skill building program at drdishbasketball.com. Welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Pirano. Today's guest, Coach Nate and Coach Larry from T2S Basketball joins the show. We talk hoops, life. Let's dive right in with Coach Nate and Coach Larry. Andre was popping. What's up, Nate? We're waiting for Larry now. Yeah, he'll probably jump right on. Yeah. How's everything, man? I'm good, man. You? Everything's great. It's Monday. It is. It's Monday. The it's grind never stops. I'm not tripping. What happened? I said I ain't tripping. It's Monday. That's what I'm saying. The grind never stops. It's no. All good. Heck no. <laughs> I'm I'm in it. I'm in it to win it, homie. <laughs> I hear you, bro. <laughs> I hear you. So I talked to, talk to Larry, man. He 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 seemed to like what we got going on. What you mean with the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I heard you guys had a good conversation. Yeah. He asked, he he wanted to know a couple of the questions I was gonna ask. So right. I just threw some off the top of my head and he was just like, What? Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> it was like okay. we had we have done like during the pandemic we had done a lot of webinars so one thing that we um they told us to work on was um you know prepping your guests you know right. like making sure you know they know what's gonna happen on the show and so there's no surprises and things like that you know right yeah so I, that's why he wanted to do the same with you. He's like, we got to get to know him. We need to know what questions are being asked. You want to be super prepared. <laughs> and and I hear you. I feel you on that. Bird. I I hear that. I I I just like you know. Oh, here he is, Larry. Hey guys. Coach, what's up? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Perfect. All right, you guys All right. ready? We're ready. Okay, I'm going to go through the intro really quick, and then we'll get started. So welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Pirano, here with my mans of the hour, Coach Nate and Coach Larry. What's up? What's going on? Nothing wrong. So, okay, I'm going to give you guys a question. Um, Can one of you guys elaborate on what you guys are doing right now and where you guys are from? Nate, you want to take that? I'll take it. We are skill development trainers, and we're based out of New Jersey. Right now, only thing we work on is skill development. So we do camps, we do training sessions, groups, privates, team training, anything that has to do with getting better and working on skills. That's uh, that's basically what we do. Right on. Now, can you tell me a little history? on you really quick, Nate, um, and how you and what you're doing, and then we'll get into Larry. Right. So I basically played basketball my whole life. And um, as I go, as I got older, I understood, okay, like not, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have that athleticism. I wasn't that big. So I always had to work. I had to work on my game. I always had to try to get better. Right. I always felt like nobody really believed in me. Nobody really took me serious. So I would take that and I would let that fuel me and I would go outside to the park, get my shots up, make sure I ran, make sure I worked on all the things I had to do so that when I came back next year for high school, that I would be better. And that basically went all the way through college, man. So once I went to, once, once I got to college and I, um, and I was going through my career, everything was training, you know, and, and you realize that as you get older, it's like, you can't just wake up one day and be like, okay, I'm going to just play and get better. You got to actually work on stuff. When I got to college, I, I realized that there was, there was players that, that I couldn't hang with. So how do I hang with them? 
I had to work on my game so I could get better. And that went all the way after college. And then I wanted to try to play professionally overseas. And I would just be training, training, training. And a couple of parents would, would see me outside in the park with, with my cones and all my equipment. And they'd be like, what, like, what are you doing? And I'd tell them. And they'd say, hey, can you do that with my son? I was like, yeah, sure. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I can make some side money during the week. I, 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 after I train myself, I'll train some of these kids. And that's when I ran into Larry. Uh, Larry was actually my coach in high school. He was, he was on, on the coaching staff. So he, I met him my junior year. So junior, senior year, we used to work out together. So he used to always work me out. He'd be like, yo, come to my house. We'd work out in his driveway, ball handling. We'd do a lot of strength work. He, I remember he used to have me, like, doing pull-ups, doing my dips and stuff like that. So he, was, he knew that I wanted to get better, and he, he always wanted to put in the time for anybody who wanted to get better. So fast forward to now, at, uh, or after college, when I'm training, I saw him training on the other side, the other side of the court. We kind of reconnected. It was like, yo, you really want to do something like this? And I said, yeah. And we came together. And that, and that's how and we came together with T2Us. And that's how, that's basically my story with, with, with T2Us. Okay, Larry, and you? Um, my story is, is a little strange. Um, I grew up in Patterson, New Jersey. Um, you know, the hood um, on the street, typical street kid. But um, growing up, um, at the age of seven, I, uh, I was, um, I entered the boys club and that's pretty much what you did in my neighborhood. You know, we, um, in order to stay off the streets, we all went to the boys club and, uh, that's where pretty much all the athletes went. And I had this, uh, raw talent that I can swim fast. So at the age of seven, um, I started swimming for the United States youth games, which was an East coast program. Um, almost like the junior Olympics. I don't know if you have that over there in California. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, um, but growing up, you know, in the boys club, when I was not in the pool, I was constantly balling. So, you know, basketball to me was every single day. Um, so as I got older, I played CYO, uh, sixth, seventh and eighth grade. And as crazy as it seems, the last time I wore a Jersey was eighth grade. You know, because I had to make a decision at the age of 14 on what I was going to concentrate on. And at the time, my swimming was stronger than basketball at the moment. So I had to concentrate on swimming, which was my ticket out. Um, so I didn't even play high school ball. So um, but still uh, the love of the game. I played outdoors, you know, constant street ball growing up. Um, but as I got older, the swimming became more prevalent. So um, I got lucky and I got a full ride at St. Peter's University in Jersey City. And uh, that's when I really, really fell in love with the game because I dormed with uh, uh, D1, you know, college basketball players. Those were my roommates. So they knew I played ball. So they were like always telling me, hey, Lara, let's let, let's go get some pickup, you know, at the, at the, at the, uh, at the gym. And that's when I really learned how to play organized ball with D1 players. So my education of playing basketball was, was huge with D one players, just playing pickup with those guys. I really learned a lot really quickly. And, um, so after college, I come back home and, um, you know, still playing ball out in the streets, doing my thing. I became a teacher, um, and, uh, make a long story short, 2004, they needed a height and they needed a coach to uh, coach the middle school team of where I was working at. And I took it. I, I landed the coach position. I had no idea how to coach. Um, so to tell you the truth, um, I really, really didn't like coaching. All right. I, I didn't have the, 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 um, the knowledge, the X's and O's, um, the, the, the coaching mindset. But I, what I did fall in love with was teaching kids how to do the, the, the individual work, right? The, the footwork, um, teaching kids how to dribble, teaching kids how to move without the ball, teaching kids how to catch, teaching kids how to pass, how to shoot, how to align themselves to the basket. So I started to fall in love with the training aspect. And um, that's when I just said, you know what? I think I found my calling. And, and um, I coached the, the, the team for another two years. Um, unfortunately I never got better at coaching, but I did definitely get better at training, you know, three to four individuals on, 
on how to get better at what they wanted to do individually. And so um, 2008, I come to Richfield Park and I introduced myself to the coach there, uh, Chris Gaskin, who's the coach at uh, Richfield Park High School. And I said to him, I said, listen, you know, I'm here. Um, I'm a basketball skill development trainer and, um, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to, um, you know, to get to be a part of your, your staff. And so he used me as like a silent, you know, volunteer. And so he introduced me to the players. He would invite me to the six o'clock morning workouts. And uh, little by little, I started gaining um, uh, recognition with his players. His players started really liking um, how I train. And he would give me the green light and he would say, hey, Larry, you know, can you take take four or five guards over there and just can you do something with them? And that's when I was that was my green light. And I and I uh, and I went with it and the kids loved it because it was different. It wasn't the typical, you know, up and down high school workout. I, I was teaching them things that they've never been able to do before. Well, maybe things that they've seen on TV and they were like, oh, wow, this is great. So um, a couple of years went by and that's when Nate came around and um, I started focusing on Nate because I saw, I saw, you know, the talent in Nate and, um, you know, one of the greatest shooters that I've seen coming out of Richfield Park. And so I, I jumped on him and I said, listen, you know, this – you know, this game is definitely at, you know, at, at the point where you can excel. And, um, you know, at the time, not too many people were able to wear a jersey after high school coming out of Richfield Park. And I knew that Nate had what it takes, you know, to play college ball. So I concentrated on Nate. And then, um, you know, like he said, he went through college. Um, he went through uh, his ups and downs, went to three schools and, you know, finished up at uh, CCNY in New York. And then uh, I bumped into him and I said, you know what? I'm tired of, 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 uh, of being the silent volunteer on the side. I said, you know what? Let's, let's get this thing going. Let's, let's start this thing because everybody and their mother is starting to be a trainer. And I think I can do this. And with your help, you know, I think we can put something together. And we put a proposal together and uh, the district of Richfield Park bought in and they said, this is fantastic. You know, this is just another, um, program that we can offer our kids here in the community and they backed us up a hundred percent and we ran with it you know and um so you know it's been since 2015 so we're going on five years we're going on year six now um with the program and let me tell you in in five years the program has excelled tremendously quickly so now you know we're at a point where you know we got people like you andre who are now looking at us from the other side of the country and you know we're just two guys who uh, put something together five years ago, and we never thought that we were going to get this type of recognition. So I want to thank you, you know, for seeing us and for, you know, seeing what we've done and how we've accomplished, you know, um, our program in, in the short amount of time that we have. Oh, I love it. I mean, I, I'll tell you right now, you guys are doing an amazing job. I mean, if you can reach one student – I think you're doing a great service to that person and not only to them, but their parents, because I'll be honest, parents, parents are delusional. Mm -hmm. um, I, I see it all the time in my program. I got, so I'm, I'm very honored uh, to have this uh, podcast. I'm very honored to have seven club teams. Um, we are super blessed to have Ryan Rizuki uh, out here in San Diego that we get to uh, skill train with. We have Jordan Lolly. An hour and a half away, we go to his facility up at the A6 building. Um, so we have a lot of great people in our community that we can go to. But what I've noted with parents is they keep their kids entitled. And you mm -hmm. can't do that, right or wrong. Definitely. You're definitely right. And so for me, I like the fact that you, Larry, spoke the truth. Like I remember sending my son a couple of your clips on why that a kid that was nine years old versus a kid I believe that was 15 years old and how he needed to shoot a thousand shots in order to make it to the next level. And so my son, you know, being what, 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 what him and I are at, we're gym rats, you know, he's got a doctor dish and he's shooting 300, 400 shots a day. I sent him that video. I said, hey man, that ain't enough. Now we got to <laughs> up it. We mm -hmm. got to go to five. From five, we got to go to seven. From seven, we got hit the thousand mark like you need to you need to hear these people you think i'm crazy it's hey, not crazy. hey listen man this summer was a was a blessing it was a lot of eye openers for a lot of these kids 
like when that video came out, like you said, you and a whole a, a whole bunch of other parents started tagging their kids, started tagging coaches were tagging their players because they needed to see that, they needed to hear that, and uh, yeah. and and you guys get to you know you guys hear whatever we get to put online. You don't know, like the inside conversations we have. We have in our camp this year. We had um, we had a couple of young players, kids that are going to eighth grade, kids that are going to be incoming freshmen, and they helped us this this year with the camp. And we would tell them like basic things of what they need to get better. So like that video, they heard that. Um, we told them to do their push-ups. Make y'all got to try to do at least a hundred push-ups a day. And like a week later, like me and me and one of the other workers. We used to go. We used to go early, like around six thirty in the morning, to work out, get our workout in before the camp started. And um, one time, we see we see these we see the kids that help us in camp. They're out there six in the morning. They getting their shots up. They're doing their push ups, and it's like you look and you get proud. You're like, okay, like you could see that these kids are starting to understand the message now. Yeah, I love it. Like my son's a dog. Like he. When when Corona hit, when when COVID hit, we I took it upon myself. He was already in pretty good shape. Um, he got he's I'm very blessed. He's got a a, a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, the guy put 41 uh, Division one athletes across San Diego into D1 schools that signed at his facility. Wow! So I'm very blessed that my son got to train with this guy twice a week. COVID hit, and I told my son no. We're, we're not getting out of shape. So I pushed him. And I mean, I pushed him till I was blue in the face. He probably wanted to kill me half the time. <laughs> but then he bought in, like you said, he got to the point where he, he noticed his pushups were getting stronger. He was right. getting strong. Right. He noticed the little muscles coming out of his shoulders and his biceps. He noticed, okay, running these 60 yard hill sprints, it, it hurts. Now it doesn't hurt as bad. And and when they when he goes and sees their coach, they're, they're, his coach no, does nothing but praise him, you know, because he's mm-hmm. a dog. He, now he's waking up on his own and going to do it on his own. And that's and that's what you got to get to. That's that's the mentality you finally get to. I think I think once a kid does that, once a kid finally gets to that to that to that point where you don't have to tell him, you say, okay, he gets it. Yes. Now let me ask you this. Um, I, I believe, and I'll, and I'll ask Nate and Larry, I believe that your, uh, your vessel, your body, ex- especially as an athlete is, is, a, is, it's a hot rod. I tell my son all the time, you're a hot rod. So it's, it's very important with food you put in number one, what octane you're using, uh, hydration. And the most important is your recovery. It's your sleep. Am I right or wrong? 1000%. Well, let me tell you this, um, you know, um, how do you call it? I'm sure you can attest to this, Andre, because I've seen you and I've seen what, you know, what you look like. So you obviously, you know, have, have educated yourself on, on fueling. And I'm going to tell you right now, fueling is easily over 85, 90% of, you know, what your body can do or what your body can do. So, and, and, you know, I'm definitely at a point in my life where, you know, I've bought in. And it's been over, it's going to be almost now 15 years that I've now, you know, um, have, have taken my body to a totally different level. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much the poster boy of, you know, the, the fountain of youth. I found it, you know, I found it and I've been able to hold on to it. Um, you know, just educating myself on, on exactly what you said, right. Fueling, uh, sleeping, um, water consumption. So, you know, um, I'm going to praise my wife because my wife has dedicated her life on, on, on functional medicine and, and, and pretty much uh, functional nutrition. And so I've been her guinea pig for the past, you know, 10 years, almost 15 years. And, um, you know, we, we haven't met, but um, I've, I've taken this thing to a totally different level. And now I'm trying to educate on, on how to do this because I've maintained athletic status at the age of 47. You know, right. I can do things that probably some, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old kids probably cannot do, you know. So so, you know, I determined myself to maintain an athletic status um, just based on everything you just said. 
you know, learning how to fuel yourself, learning how to recover, learning how to sleep. You know, I talk to these kids and I'm telling them, I'm like, listen, you know, you got to understand, you got to get your hours of sleep. Um, the first thing you need to do in the morning is drink water, you know, because I, you know, I'm, I'm a science teacher uh, during the day. So I teach fifth and sixth grade science. So, you know, when I talk to these kids, you know, we go through scientific pathology on the digestive system and exactly how the body works and, and how everything is connected. And, um, you know, trying to get these kids to stay away from the processed foods yes. and, and walking around with Doritos. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to, you know, to, to convince a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, you know, or a 16-year-old kid that, you know, fueling is key. You know, and, and, and it's, it's one of the hardest things to do because they don't have the opportunity to go, you know, uh, shopping for themselves. You know, they eat whatever's at home. They eat whatever's available. They eat whatever's cheap, you know? So, you know, unfortunately these kids are walking around, you know, uh, with, with, you know, on fumes, you know, we, we, we see every day. We, we have a kid, right, right, Nate, we have Christian who walks in every morning exhausted tired and then we ask him why you tired number one he doesn't eat breakfast number two he goes to sleep at two three in the morning Uh, you know so he doesn't have proper sleeping patterns and then he comes to us and he's always sleepy you know and he doesn't even understand why and lack of education at this point you know will and i remember when nate was in high school you know, and the coach would expect them to run suicides and, and give them 150%. Half of those kids on the team didn't even eat lunch because lunch is crappy. You know what I'm saying? At the high school level. So a lot of kids were on, you know, a Snickers bar because the lunch sucks. So they would oh. grab a Snickers bar and whatever <laughs> juice they can or, or soda. And then I would, you know, watch coach scream at them. And I'm going, these kids are on a Snickers bar. You know, yeah, yeah. and so, but you know, yeah. when you're when, when when a coach is 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 not educated on fueling, um, you know, all he's going to do is just demand 150 percent from these kids, and he doesn't even understand that these kids cannot give that because number one, they haven't slept; number two, they've been sitting on their ass, you know, for eight hours in school, so their yeah. blood flow is off, and they're right. on you know, so. Nope, yeah. You know, at this point, I think um, us as coaches, we're really going to have to step it up and go, okay, we can't just teach them how to dribble a ball. We can't just teach them how to move without the ball or teach conditioning. We got to teach them, you know, nutrition 101, you know, proper nutrition 101. I think we got to step it up now. I think we're going to have to now become professionals on, on, you know, on being able to create the the ultimate and, and most optimal body possible to play this game. But like like you said, Coach, it's it's the lack of knowledge. Yeah. The more the more knowledge you have, the easier it is to start teaching that. If coaches are not going out doing their due diligence and going out of their way to to learn how to do that, because you see some of these coaches be telling you to run or or telling you what you're supposed to do and they three hundred pounds on the sideline. You know? Exactly. Oh my gosh, Nate! Yes, sir. Right. Yes, I cracked sir. up. I cracked up because I see these programs and no disrespect to those guys. Right, right, but right. They're out of shape. They can't do this. They can't do that. And and here I am. I'm in shape or, I'm, you know, I try to be fit. I would love to be in better shape. But, I mean, I think everybody that is in the fitness always strives to do be better. Be better, right. And so, for me, I'm like, I would never want to take my kid to someone that's out of shape for one and can't do the moves. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my God. You hit it on the nose, Andre. I'm a firm believer. Look, if I can't do the drill or I can't do the move, then I can't teach it. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, 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 I feel like as long as I feel like as long as you got the knowledge, I feel like you can, you could probably teach whatever you want. But at the end of the day, it's kind of hard, especially like if you, if you notice people, people always ask us for uh, basketball workouts and things like that. No, not one person has ever asked me for a nutrition workout <laughs> or nutrition. Like what, what yeah. should I eat coach? Like they don't even understand how important that is. And they, yeah, they, they don't, they don't make the connection. The connection is not there. Like basketball right, and right. food is yeah, not and the, connected. And the only time we start connecting food is now when we start getting older, because our metabolism starts slowing down, right? Now we're like, right. oh, damn, we cannot eat 
this anymore because now I'm gaining so much weight. So well, how do I miscon- keep it off? The misconception is, is that, oh, I'm only 15. You know, I can eat whatever I want. Right. It's just going to, you know, I, it's just going to go right through me. And those days are over. You know what I'm saying? The Fruit Loops right. that we ate 25 years ago are not the same Fruit Loops that we're eating today. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're right. So if anybody knows anything about food, our food has changed dramatically. So, you know, whatever junk we were eating and we were still eating junk back then, the junk has gotten to a totally different level. It's hitting our insulin levels differently now. You know, our bodies are not accustomed to these chemicals that are in our foods today. So, you know, we're, we're not the same you know, we're not the same kid. Our, you know, the generation right. of, of our intestines and our digestive system, they're totally, totally different now. So, you know, we're consuming different chemicals that are doing a, a, a totally different type of harm to us at the young level. So those days of, oh, yeah, I'm only 15. I can eat whatever I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Me, those days are over. We can't do that I mean, anymore. No, and I, I agree. I, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I, you know, my, my son, same way, you know, he, my wife's a chef, so this guy eats. We we eat phenomenal <laughs> food. I mean, we're very blessed. Yeah, you are in our corner and what she makes us. Um, but yeah, he still eats Doritos and he wants to have a pizza and and eat burritos and here and there. But like, it's got to be in moderation. It's got to sure. be, sure, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just there's no. I mean, we go to a basketball tournament, and here he is with a side of hummus, some celery, and a homemade. <laughs> yeah. Celery. There you go. And then his homies are eating pop tarts. Yeah. Um, they got a hot, <laughs> hot dog. dog. The other guy got pizza. And they wondering why they ain't scoring in the championship game. Yeah. 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 They're that's running on fumes. Yeah. Hey, listen, listen, that's a fact. Even now, I mean, right to this day, I'm 28. I still struggle. Larry can tell you, I struggle with my diet. I always try to I ask him, like, yo, what do you do? This guy's this guy's 47, but he's ripped up. Like, like he's 25. I'm like, yo, how do you stay like that? So I, I try to always learn from, you know, my peers. And right. so I still struggle to this day. But I'm telling you, in high school, it was way worse. We was, we <laughs> Coach Larry talking about the Snicker Bar. Before the game, we was, we had, we was in McDonald's right before the game. Right before oh, warm-up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wondering why we finishing under 1,500. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Now, let me ask you guys this. So growing up for me, you know, we didn't have skill trainers. Yes, we shot. Yes, we worked on our ball handling on our own. But where I really see success from the seventh grade to my junior year in high school, I would say was black top basketball. Black top basketball was everything. Right. I mean, seventh and eighth grade, yes, I probably only went to one park, maybe two. But by the time I was in the ninth grade, we already knew how to take the transit systems or if someone didn't have a car and to go to certain parks throughout San Diego five or six days a week to get legitimate great runs in. Oh and my God. Hey, we were talking about this, Nate. What are we talking yeah, about? No, this, go ahead, tackle it. Oh my God. <laughs> like, Andre, it's a, Andre, it's, man, you, you, you hit it, man. You hit it right there. Right. We were just having sport. the same conversation just last week because it's, today's generation Here's the problem. We, we, we take our kids in the second grade, right? We put them into the, into the rec league program that the town offers. They, they play with their own friends all the way through middle school, right? Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Now they've only played with their friends, you know, with the, with the kids that they go, to, they go to school with, the kids that they're surrounded in the town with. Now they're seventh, eighth graders, and they try to go out for the team, and then they wonder why it's so difficult playing outsiders. They never have an opportunity to play anybody else but their friends. Right. And you know what happens when you play with your friend? You never play as hard as you should. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, you know, it's always funny. It's always a joke. It's not – they don't take it seriously. You know, everybody's trying to, you know, just, just goof around. You know, so – and so, unfortunately, in our town, which is a small town, we're only 1.7 square miles. Oh, wow. You know? So our town is tiny. And I remember telling these kids, you know, get on a bike, put $5 in your pocket, get about six guys, and go get lost. We live right across the GW Bridge, Andre. Literally, we could get on a bike and be in the Bronx in literally 20 minutes. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. We, we, our kids can literally just go across the bridge, go to the Bronx and find some games. And the fear of leaving, leaving home is so big that kids won't leave. They won't even go next door to Teaneck. And yeah. Teaneck, let me tell you, has ballers. Teaneck has produced a lot of D1 players. There's, there's, you know, uh, if you know anything about Teaneck, David West came from Teaneck, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we got cats that, that you know, that, that ball in Teaneck, you know? And it's right next to us. And they will not leave this 1.7 square mile to get some good runs, you know? Wow, that's crazy. And I, and, I, and I think the problem, too, that's like you used to say all the time, like you guys don't jump on a bike and, and go look for the court. But the problem, too, also is that 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 style of basketball, that style of playing, it, it kind of no longer exists anymore, if you really think about it. When I was about 15, 16, even, I, I would say my high school career, we would go out to the park. That's how I learned how to play proper basketball, if you, if you want to laugh. Because I used to play with the older guys that taught me, yo, you can't just stand here and watch me. You got to go set a screen for somebody. Right. Move away. They were setting me back screens, and I'm like, okay, like, oh, that's a back screen. And I would, I would take that and I would use it for myself. But now you can't, it's you can't even find runs, especially like pre-pandemic. You can't find runs. Nobody's, nobody's outside. Everybody's indoors. You got to go to LA Fitness. You got to go to 24 Hour Fitness. No, what if you don't have a membership? You can't afford a membership. You know, nobody, yeah. nobody wants to play outside. And yeah. kids under, and kids under the age of 13 are not going to find runs anywhere. Kids right. don't go outside anymore, Dre. Not around here. No. They don't, they don't go outside. You know, pickup games don't happen here. We got we got one, two, three, four. We got about five outdoor courts in this 1.7 square mile town. Five. Count them. Right. They are ghost towns. Wow. Okay? It's well, like it's like tumbleweed, tumbleweed, tumbleweed. That's, you know. That's crazy. Then, so where I'm at, where I'm at in San Diego, I'm super blessed. We practice in an inner city park, only one day a week, this inner city park, Skyline Rec. It's it's very rough neighborhood. Um, it's been that way ever since I grew up there, but we do practice there. But what's great is those kids don't have an outlet. They ain't got nowhere to go. So where do they go? To the park. They go to the park and play. Mm-hmm. And some of them kids can play. And I will go to them, and they're all cool with me, you know, because I've been, I've been running my program for five years now. So they'll come to me, what's up, coach? What's up, coach? And they look at my kids, and some of my kids can ball, and they can ball. I tell them flat out, hey, man, bring five of your boys up here on Tuesday. My 13-year-old mm-hmm. got to practice. I got 20 bucks. Split it amongst your five. You guys are going to scrimmage these kids. They, nice. they ask me all the time, coach, when we get to play again? When we get to play again? Bring them up. <laughs> bring up the five. Let's go. That's great. That's great. You know, hey, that's look. a great idea. I think I'm gonna have to use that, Nate. I'm gonna yeah. have to do that. I yeah. go, bring bring yeah. five kids. Did you got, here's 20 bucks yeah. for the five mm. of you guys. Here you go. Yeah. I look at my I, son, I go, Hey man, you're about to play right now. Let's go. See, see, and and this is why, and this is also why, like the generation right now is also pretty is they're very soft. The thing oh, is yes. in the black top, on the black top is where everything happened, right? That's where you used to play, you used to have good runs. Good competitions. You might have saw a fight. You might have got into a fight because of basketball. Yep. Uh, you learn how to play strong. You're getting fouled hard. You learn how to stick up for yourself. There's a lot of things that, that happen on the court that 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 kind of teaches you more about life than it does just basketball. You know, these kids. We te- we we we'll train. We'll do a training session now, right? We'll be like, okay, we got the pad. You know, the hitting pad, and be like, okay, we want you to drive your shoulder into this pad. Move me this way, and then lay the ball up. They'll be dribbling. They come to the pad. They're gonna give us a light tap, like a little light tap, like 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 if we headbutting or something like that, and, and then try to go. We like, yo, hit me. Why are you not hitting me? These oh, kids yeah. don't know what contact is. They're so nice. They've been raised, and I mean, good for the parents, you know what I mean. But it, it, you're raising these kids so nice. They don't know how to be aggressive on the court. Yeah. And now, if you lack that aggression on the court. You basically, you basically dead. You're gonna be food for somebody else. Here's here's the problem, though. I'm an educator, so I'm gonna speak based on an educator. We've we've you know these past few years. I don't know exactly how long, but the whole the whole uh, no bullying tolerance. Oh my god! You know that has exploded 
within these last, I would say, 20 years, 20, 25 years, it has done such a disservice to our children because, um, Andre, I'm sure you can approve that we need bullies. Yes. You know what I mean? Bullies are needed. They're necessary. Okay. Because life is going to bully you, mm-hmm. whether, whether, whether it's going to be a physical situation, whether it's going to be a financial situation, whether it's be, whether it's a religious situation, whether it's a family situation, yeah. you're going to get bullied in all aspects of life. You're going to have at some point in time, somebody's going to make you sign a document and, and they're going to bully you into paying monthly payments. You know what I'm saying? So, a bully comes in all different aspects of life. And if you don't know how to handle yourself amongst a bully mm-hmm. in, 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 as a child, then life is going to be very difficult. And I think that's what's happening today. You know, these kids are growing up without being able to stand up to the bully. And the bully is going to come in all different forms and, 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 and methods and, 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 you know, and faces and heights and sizes. It's, it's, like, it's like you said, Coach, there's no they, – these kids lack confrontation. There is no confrontation. There's no confrontation. Yeah. Especially yeah. now with the technology that we have, you don't even have to talk to somebody in person. You know what? I'll text him. I want to, oh, I'm going to quit this job. I'm going to text the boss. I'm going to break up with this girl. I'm going to text her. Like, in what world does that, did that used to happen? You used to have to talk to somebody face to face, whether it was going to be a bad conversation or a good one, but you had to, you had to do it. That was like your integrity. That we don't have that anymore. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I go ahead and drop the mic. And the podcast. <laughs> so true. No. I had a father. I had a father come up to me the other day. Dre I had a father come up to me the other day. He said, Coach, listen, man, I, I, I really wanna I really wanna hire you so you can do some one on ones with my son. And he said to me, I really want him to be more aggressive. <laughs> and I kind of giggled, right? And I was like, I said, you know what? I said, it's a catch twenty two, isn't it? Because you, you, you look like a really, you know, educated person. You know, I'm sure you raised your son well. He looks like a very, very, you know, decent young man. He came up to me. He shook my hand. He gave me a firm handshake. He looked me in the eye. So it looks like you've been doing a really good job with this guy. But here's the problem. You're raising very good, wholesome kids. And that's what we're supposed to do as parents. But unfortunately it's a catch 22 yeah. because you raised such a good kid in a good environment and you gave him everything that you didn't have. The kid is not hungry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because he gets three meals a day. He has underwear to spare. He doesn't have to share his clothes with his four or five siblings. Right. You know what I'm saying? So when the kid is not hungry or does or never feels hungry, then it's hard for a kid to become malicious. Because maliciousness is something that born. you got to be born with it based on your upbringing, based on your environment, based on what you, you know, you have, how you suffi- have to survive it just to get through the day. Right. Yeah. So, that's a fact. You know, and, and so then when the guy comes up to me and says, I want you to make him more aggressive. I said, sorry, I can't do that. I can't teach your son to be, a, to be, you know, to be malicious because your son is not. He's a good kid. You raised him to be a good kid. The only thing I can teach him is tools on how to get his body to apply force in a direction. But if he doesn't want to apply that force, then I can't do nothing for him. You see right. what I'm saying? He's scared right. of the contact. He don't yeah, want to get so the contact. You can't force him to. Yeah, because I, if, if I tell your kid, go over there and chop his head off, would he do it? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And if your kid's going to say, well, yeah, I don't know. Why? Why would you want me to say that? that all right, you need to sit the bench, son. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you're obviously not, you know, you're not cut out for this game. And unfortunately, this game requires ma- maliciousness. I don't care which way you see it. I'm not trying to, you know, raise bad kids. But if you don't have it, you know, if I tell you I need to, I need you to break his kneecaps. And if you're not going, if you're going to ask me why and, 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 and you know, and, and stutter and, and be a little, you know, apprehensive on why I asked you to do that, then you're no use to me, you know? Right. Right. So it's, it's, you know, I'm not trying to be a, a, a mean person, but that's the type of, you know, that's the type of training I want. I want a kid to go in there. Yeah, yeah. I want yeah. you to, in your mind, you know, break his kneecaps. That's what I want you to do. It's up to him whether he's going to let his knee break or is he going to move out the way. 
Simple as that. Yeah, I got a couple of 13-year-olds on my team, including my son. And like you said, with the hitting pad, oh, man, when I say to hit, they hit. Oh, yeah. They will hit with all force on me. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I think the only way they, they are like this is based I'm, – I'm a bigger guy now, you know. I mean, obviously, when I played the game, I weighed 145, 160 pounds. Uh, now, unfortunately, I weigh about 210, 214. Um, hey, you solid, though. You all right. <laughs> so when I play them one-on-one, two-on-two, I bang them. And when I when I bang them, I hit them to the ground. I hit my own son to yeah, the ground. Yeah. And uh, I I look at him and I, I, I tell him to his face. His mom gets. It, there's many times I slept on the couch. I tell him, "You better get your ass up, bitch." Yeah. <laughs> and, Yo. but, but, and my wife gets mad at me. She goes, "Why would you talk to your son like that?" I go, "Honey, this is after he's gone to bed and everything. Yeah. It's not that I am bullying him, like you said, Larry. I'm teaching him." how the game is played. He's going to go and play pickup ball. He's going to be in a high school game. And you don't think there's going to be a guy that's six, three, six, four, maybe even six foot his height and runs him over and calls him that talking trash. And guess what? That guy don't know him from Adam. At (laughs) least he's hearing it from somebody that loves him. You're doing, you're doing such a great job because what you're doing is, you know, you're, you're teaching them, that, oh, I got dropped on my ass. And you know what? I was able to get up and continue playing. Right. Right. You know? So you're teaching that resilience. You know what I'm saying? You're teaching that it's okay, you know, to be hit and it's okay mm-hmm. to, 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 to fall. And it's okay, to, you know, to, you know, to, um, to get pushed around because it is part of the game. And if you train your child, you know, on, 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 you know, on that resilience, on getting back up and continue playing, then, you know, you're doing everything that it takes to make him into a better player. And not only a better player, I think a better person, because again, like I said, you're going to get bullied in life. Now the question is, are you going to stay sit? Are you going to stay hit? Or are you going to swing back? You know what I'm saying? And then, and then that's one of those things that, you know, we can't allow anymore. And that's, and that's the problem. You know, our education says you can't hit back now. You have to go tell, you know what I'm saying? So so being an an educator you know, and I have to watch this happen. And unfortunately, yeah, you know, like Nate said, you know, kids don't know how to confront anymore because there's no consequences. You know what I'm saying? So Amen. when there's no consequences, you know, it's almost like, oh, well, I was told that I can't retaliate or I was told that I can't, you know. So unfortunately, kids don't know how to handle, you know, confrontation because the consequences are no longer there. So, you know, I think what you're doing is fantastic, Dre. You know, and and if and if he's got to bleed, then he's got to bleed. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Hey, let me tell you. At some some point in time, it's gotten to that point. We we had these kids at camp, right? We had these girls, right? Super aggressive on defense. Super aggressive, like like I will knock you to the ground. Aggressive. So, and that's what all they was doing. They was doing. They the girls were doing that to the boys. They knocked the boys on the ground. They rolling on the grass. They fighting for the ball. After camp, I hear some of the boys like, yo, they telling their friends, yo, those girls are over there. They're aggressive. They're pretty aggressive. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yo, they're girls. Like, how can you not, and this is no slack on females, but how can you not match that intensity? That's when you know there's a problem. In camp this whole week, or this whole all these six weeks that we just did, they started calling me the, the like a bully, like if I was bullying kids. But you know what it is, is that I cannot stand the excuses. I can't stand the denial. I can't stand, like, you know, just kids being soft. I'm trying to, I, I, and I'm not a bully, but I'm just, I have to make sure your mind state is right. You got to be mentally strong to play this game. I don't want to hear you got bumped. I don't want to hear that this, this is a double rim. Like, I don't want to hear that. You got to go get it done. Yeah. And when they used to, kids used to fight over, like, loose balls, I say, yo, keep them, let them keep fighting for it. And you have two kids, scram- you know, scrambling to get that ball. And, and that's, and that's what teaches toughness. You know, you, some of these kids are like, you know, oh, jump ball, jump ball. No, 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 no. You fight till somebody grabs that ball. Oh, I love it. I mean, I tell my son all the time, if life hits you in the face and you're laying on the ground on your back and you can look up, then get your punk ass up. 
here's the thing, Joe Dre, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, that, you know, it's tough to teach what we want them to, 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 to be aggressive and everything, but it, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, I don't know how it is around by, you know, your neck of the woods, but unfortunately that these kids that grow up here in town, um, they're going to pretty much grow up into grown men never having to defend themselves physically. They're probably going to grow up to grow up to be grown men and never, ever have the opportunity either to get knocked out or knock somebody else out. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that life-threatening situation is probably never, never, never going to be, you know, in front of them. So it is what it is. You know, we, 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 we you know, we, we raise these kids to be very good kids. We raise them to be respectful. We raise them to be, you know, um, good, productive, you know, uh, uh, how do you call it? Individuals in society. And, you know, yeah, may, you may, I'm sure a couple of them are probably going to get into a squabble here and there, but for the most part, these kids will never, ever have to get into a situation where they have to, you know, survive. Right. Yeah, depending, yeah, depending on where you're at. Exactly. Yeah. And what, yeah, and when we talk about these kids, we're talking about the kids mostly in our neighborhoods and the surrounding, you know, the surrounding neighborhoods around us. Because, you know, for a fact, there's some of these neighborhoods where these kids don't, like we were talking about earlier, they don't have anything. So they go on these teams. I had a mom tell me, you know, wow, you know, the team that you told my daughter to go to, they're very aggressive. But I said, yeah, you got to you got to think about it. You guys are two different people. You, uh, these the girls that the girls that they, she's playing with, they they come from nothing. All they know is being aggressive. They got they got to work for everything they have. So, yeah, when they say go get the ball, they're going to go get the ball. Yeah, they hungry. They hungry. Yeah. Now, alongside of this, what are three? most important building blocks to make a great player? Hmm. Hmm. Three building blocks. Okay. Uh, all right. I'll, uh, number one for me, um, the word athlete. What does it mean to you, Dre? Oh, man. A and to me, an athlete's a savage. You got you got to be able you got to be able to be conditioned, you got to be hardworking, you got to be able to uh, put yourself in an uncomfortable situations and stay there. Um, an athlete is is everything to me. I you you can't just be a punk and call yourself an athlete because you play basketball or because you play hockey. And my point exactly. My point is, now I'm going to take it more scientific level because I'm a science teacher. So to me, the word athlete. Um, does not pertain to everybody who just plays a sport. Just because you play a sport, that doesn't mean you're an athlete. So to me, in order for you to be a very good player, um, the word athlete to me means that you have to be able to accelerate well. And the word to accelerate in the science textbook means you have to be able to speed up, slow down, stop, and change direction. Oh, I love it. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. The word athlete means that you have to be able to accelerate extremely well. And to accelerate well, you have to speed up, slow down, stop, and change direction. And if you notice, a lot of players in the NBA are not all athletes. Right. Only some, only some can do those four things very well. Now, if I say to you, LeBron James, athlete? Yes. Curry, athlete? Yes. Tim Duncan, athlete? I mean, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to say no. <laughs> Let me tell you, Tim Duncan has made a career, right, living in just two spots of the floor. Yeah, fundamentally. So you got to understand. That's what I'm saying. Okay. And I'm not saying that he's a bad player. I, I love Tim Duncan. I, I follow Tim Duncan. But is he an athlete, according to my definition? Not really. Can't jump. No. Right. So, like I said, you know, it, it, it's I'm not saying that just because you're not an athlete, you can't play this game. But those who are playing this game today that are in the top ranks, you got to be able to be an athlete. Mm -hmm. Okay, what are two more? All right. Nate, what do you got? Uh, to build three building blocks, you said? 
Yes. Uh, I don't know if this applies, but you got to have work ethic. Work ethic? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh God! Have, yes. You gotta have the work ethic like that. I don't think people understand how how important that is. And what I love about basketball is that, and well, about sports in general is that you can always relate it to real life. And that's that's the biggest part. So when you develop a good work ethic, where you understand, like your son, he understands. Okay, I gotta wake up at six a.m. every day. Um, I gotta get these shots up. I gotta do this. You make yourself organized, and you say, okay this is what I need to do to get better, to be a better player. That's going to take you a longer way than you would ever imagine. Because, yeah, you could have the skill, but it's about who can outlast, right? So, if you know, if you're not getting better, eventually somebody will surpass you, you know? And and it goes on with life in general. You got to be able to get your work done or just be responsible in life to get things done and always, like, always just uh, being consistent. You got to be consistent. Right. What's the third one? Um, I'm going to piggyback off of Nate, what Nate said, because he said work ethic. And um, I'm going to go with, um, um, how do you call it? I, I think if in order to be a very good athlete, I mean, a, a very good player, um, there's got to be an objective in mind. I'm saying you got to be completely, completely organized because let me tell you, you got these kids that are out there and they tell us, oh, yeah, coach, I'm going to get better. I'm going to be playing all summer or I'm going to be practicing all summer. And I'm like, yeah, well, what are you practicing? Yeah. You know, so a lot of these kids, they they don't know, you know, they don't know. They don't have a plan. You got to have a plan. There's got to be the end result in mind. You got to start off with the end result and work backwards. So if your plan this month is to gain. I'm just going to say that in order to be a proper player, um, I think there has to be an objective. You know what I'm saying? You got to have a plan. You know, you, you, you know, we, we can't just go in um, blind like we, like we used to, like you said, you know what I'm saying? Like, because back in the day, you know, you play at the courts, and and now in order to compete, it's not like back in the day where there was like 15 guys on the court and there was always that one kid who stood out. Right. You know, now uh, there's a lot of kids that stand out. And the reason why they stand out is because there's an objective now. There's a plan. Right. You know what I'm saying? These kids, are on, these kids are on Vertimaxes now. These kids are on, you know, uh, conditioning training. These kids are doing plyo jumps. They now know that there's more to the game than just dribbling the ball, you know? So you don't have, if there's no objective in your, in your, in your process, you ain't, you don't stand a chance, right? You don't stand a chance. I tell you, and I'll tell you one thing, man, you know, what a real, a real one to a real good one also is the mental aspect of the game. You got to be mentally strong. If you're not mentally strong, especially in life, you're gonna get eaten up because this 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 world out here is not for the weak, and that's how it is in the game. If you can't stand the coach yelling at you or yelling in general, if you can't if you can't be focused on the free throw line because people are yelling at you, telling you how bad you suck, then it's gonna this game is gonna be hard for you because because you know the game is like it's it's probably eighty percent more mental than it is physically. Oh, absolutely! Oh, absolutely! You talking about you talking about guys scoring guys like Clay Thompson scoring sixty points off eleven dribbles? That that's not that that's not physical. He he knows where to be, where he where he needs the ball to score. So if you're not mentally, you know, prepared or strong, this game is gonna be is gonna be hard for sure. Oh yeah, I like that definitely. Now, alongside basketball. Besides basketball, which sport do you guys feel have the best athletes? Football, probably. I'm going to go with soccer. For me, it's soccer. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say I yeah. would say football. I don't know. I, I guess football because these guys, you got sometimes you got 400 pound linemen that could be that could move. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They they could leap. They they athletic. You talk about athletes, they're athletic. And then you got guys who are who are freakishly fast and, and that can jump. And so some, you know, the NFL definitely got some serious athletes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
based on my scientific um based on my on my scientific answer on an athlete that's why i pick soccer to me soccer is one of those sports where yeah you you, you got to be able to speed up on a, on a drop of a dime you have to slow down you got to change direction you got to stop you know so if you can do that well yep. soccer for me is one of those sports where you gotta everybody on the field has to master that mm-hmm. yeah i get that i get that now mm-hmm. obviously every sport is an emotional roller coaster, especially at a high level. Um, do you have any advice for a student athlete that is going through the ups and downs of an injury or not playing or not seeing the success because of whatever it could be? But what advice would that be? I'm going to start off with, with um, mental control the controllables i'm sure you've heard it many many times uh-huh. you got to control the controllables you know what i'm saying a lot of a lot of kids a lot of kids like to complain right we, we we complain about everything you know we complain about coaches we complain about refs we complain about the fact that i'm not getting any play time we're complaining that uh that you know that 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 coaches only put in you know their favorites um we complain about you know whatever uh uh you know injury i might have or or you know, my recovery or whatever, there's always, always kids who complain and you can't control the other stuff. You can only control your, your, yourself. And the things that you can control is the time that you have, your attitude and the effort that you put into this game. You know what I'm saying? So I think, I think, you know, what I would say is, is I know this is a roller coaster, but if you can just focus on controlling what you can control, you know, mm-hmm. and I and I think that that'll help these players out. Yeah, I I think I think you know the ben, the mental part is is definitely the biggest part, and like because I just literally <laughs> just said that because you got to be mentally strong. But I think also like with the roller coasters, with the injuries, with the playing time, and you know maybe you feel like you're being done done wrong. I just you got you got to try to find the love of the game again. You know, you got to find out why, why you, why am I playing this? Why, why am I going through this? Cause if this is, nobody wants to go through something or do something be a part of something that's going to cause them pain. Right. So you got to understand, you got to bring, go back to that, that origin of where the love of the game came from. And I think once you start having fun again and that, and that used to happen to me in, uh, in my college career, there's a lot of times, man, that I would just, you know, uh, I would go through ups and downs also. I'll be, I will be a starter. Then the next game, I only got a couple minutes and then I will start again. Like, so I was always like not un- ever understanding like what was going on. And that used to affect me. And that used to affect my, the way I was like in general outside of, outside of basketball. And you never want to let it affect you like that. You want to keep it always in the gym outside. You're blessed to just be alive, you know? And, and when you look at it like that, you're able to get through. You're able to get through these small things because basketball is just a small thing that happens in life. So yeah, like we you know, you may love it and it may hurt at the time, but you got to find that peace and that love of like where, where it came from. So once you get back on the court, it's like all right, you know I may not be playing, but when I'm practicing, I I gotta have fun again. Let me let me get these shots up, but let me do this and let me do that. That's your, that's your place of peace. So you shouldn't be you shouldn't be upset when you're on the court or or feeling like, you know, you're not happy. Basketball, right. you're doing the sport is definitely to make you happy. Right. Okay, I like that. Now I got a few more questions before we let you guys go. One of them we're gonna home in on really quickly. You know, I have a club basketball program, but I do not play into the hype of all the AAU. Um, can you guys elaborate on AAU and how do you guys feel about that? And does it take away from these kids, adolescents, and youth basketball? All right, I'm going to start off. I, I have a love-hate relationship with AAU. More hate than love. Me too. But um, I'll start off with the love. The love uh, of AAU is that you're giving kids – more opportunities to play this game that they love, right? You know, you're, you're giving an opportunity for these kids to play basketball all year round, you know, under an organized system. Because honestly, look what's happening today. 
If it's not organized, kids are not playing. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's not wearing a jersey, he ain't playing, you know. So we've gotten to a, a lifestyle where, you know, kids are not going outside and play. And I blame, you know, technology on that. You know, I blame the cell phones and the video yes. games. And stuff. So AAU has has uh, been able to get the kid away from his phone or get the kid away from his console and force the kid to, okay, you know, we can now play basketball all year round. So that's the love that I have for AAU that's given a lot of opportunities for kids to play. The hate goes now huge. The hate now says, okay, well, you know, we're going to let you play this game, but we're going to water it down a little bit. You know, we're not going to really, really play this game the way it's supposed to be played. We're just going to let you run up and down this court and we're going to see who are the athletes in the room. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, it's a track meet. It diminishes the education of the game. The game is not being schooled. It's not being educated to these kids. Um, it's an offensive mindset. You know, it's offense oriented. You know, there's little to no defense going on. Um you know, run and gun, track meet, you know, non-athletes need not apply. It's as simple as that, you know? Wow. And so we, we highlight this on, on YouTube, and unfortunately, this is what kids are watching, right, Nate? Yep. Kids come up to us all the time. You know, you know this kid, you know this kid, you know, you, you know this kid, yep. you know? And all, all they see is, is, is a kid, you know, with the ball, you know, doing some crazy dunks or, or with some crazy moves. But here's what you don't see. What is he doing when he doesn't have the ball? Is he is he playing defense? Is he setting screens? Is he locking up that number one offensive player? Boxing is out. he cheering on his is he Is he, you know, is he on the floor going for loose balls? Notice that AAU does not promote any of that. And it doesn't highlight any of that. And so, unfortunately, these kids are, are buying this, this, this watered-down basketball where if you're not in an AAU highlight film, then you're nothing. Yeah, you're right. Give me one person that you would skill train um, that is no longer with us on Earth. Who would that be and why? All right, well, you know, um, the I, I, honestly, I looked up you know, some players who are not with us anymore. And, you know, wasn't many who I can see. That's why I think the question was kind of like a, a rhetorical question because I'm sure, you know, that was a that was a, a quick Kobe answer. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So would not pick Kobe. Um yeah, you know, so to me, um I guess the answer would be Kobe because he's the most, you know, recently, you know, died. And the funny thing is that, you know, I used to watch a lot of uh, old, old footage of Bob Cousy. And I looked at Bob Cousy and I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Bob Cousy's still alive. So <laughs> you know, I couldn't pick Bob Cousy, but, um, it, but let's just think about this. If Bob Cousy can go through a training session of ours and I can teach Bob Cousy how to put it through the legs behind the back spin move. Imagine what Bob Cousy would have done, though. Yeah. I would think, uh, but he's alive, so I can't really use him. What's it? I ain't trying to kill him off, but if he was dead, it would have been <laughs> Okay. Okay. I like Bob Cousy. <laughs> oh, my God. No, anyway, so, I mean, you, you could still, like, if you wanted to train him. So, I like that answer. My answer, yeah, would, yeah. My answer is always Rajin Petrovich. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's now, what I, I'm going to go with the question that you had. What, what do you got, Nate? You got, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're going to say. Well, yeah. For the person that was dead, I, I was going to say, uh, I was probably just going to say Kobe not to train him just so, so he could kind of train me. You know what I mean? And he could let me know, yo, this works. This doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, and he could kind of yeah. help me out to help other players. I think that's why I would kind of want to be in the gym with him for sure. Yeah. Okay. Great. I love that. But if we talk now, about the retired players, because I remember I know I was oh. a question. Okay, yeah. Yeah. The retired players, I had a couple. I would I would like to be in the gym with like Baron Davis. You know, Baron Ooh. Davis was a killer. 
Yes. I think I think if I gave him, you know, if we worked on stuff that I work on, I think he'd be even more of a killer. Um, Rod Strickland. Yeah, Rod Strickland, but he had it. I, I like I like Tony Parker. If 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 I was mm. if Tony Parker was in the gym with me and working on more pull ups and because you know he was crafty, he get to the rim. Those floaters were 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 great. But I think I think we could have did more with Tony Parker and then Darren Williams too. Oh. Darren Williams. When he was on the Nets, he needed somebody to push him. That would have been me. Nice. Now Nate is Nate, Nate is more, you know, guard oriented because that's yeah. who he is. Yeah. I'm a passionate lover of the post game. So you ready for this? Yes. Amari Amari Stoudemire. Ooh, okay. God, if I can get a hold of him, you know, early, early Amari, you know what I'm saying? Like right out yeah, of high school. Right, right, raw. Yeah. I, that would have been it. That would have been it for me. If I could, you know, I would have I would have put down my career for that guy right there. Oh wow. Okay. He might have he might have done something there. He might he might have won something with Phoenix. That's a fact. Oh my that's a fact. You yeah. know, he didn't really have no post moves like that. It was all athleticism. He was just, he was just a bully, man. He yeah. was just a bully. Imagine if he had footwork done. Right. Right. Oh, God. Right. I love that. Well, hey, guys, it was a blessing to have you guys on my show. Um, If anybody wanted to reach out to you guys, where can they find you? Go ahead. Hit them, Nate. Yo, well, you can find us on Instagram at T2S Basketball Academy. Um, there, we have all our content on there. Uh, basically, if you want us to ever see exactly what we do or what we're about, you know, um, you definitely want to check us out. We also have a website, www.t2sba.com. Uh, you can also check us out there. We're on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, T2S Basketball Academy. Also, uh, you can search us right there. It'll pop up. And that's it, man. I, I appreciate you for... Uh, letting us come on here and giving us a platform to talk. You know, as trainers, we don't really get we don't really get that platform to really speak our mind and whatnot. So just 